authentic lives, finding kindred spirits, and fulfilling dreams. Sometimes we have to get lost for a while to live found and free. Here we talk about essential journeys, what I call beauty breaks for the soul. They lead us home to the people we were created to be. My guests are masters of reinvention and growth, and they live around the globe. They're going to share their travel go-to places and give insider tips on where and how to take timeouts in their backyards. They'll inspire and empower you to plan your next adventure, to live your best life of relationship, rejuvenation, rest, whatever it is that you need and seek. I'm Cindy McCain, travel writer and blogger at Southern Girl Gone Global, where I share my journey as a mom, explorer of 27 countries, former expat, and empty nest survivor. When my children flew away, I did too. For a while, I landed in Morocco. After two years there and one in the Caribbean, I'm back in Nashville teaching university English, telling travel tales, and coaching others as they write theirs. I'm so excited to introduce you to some of the colorful cohorts that I've met from around the world whose heads and hearts push me to press on in growth, live by core values, never settle, accept change. They make me laugh and no matter how far or long we're apart, they remain my ride or die friends. We'll start with where they are, where they've been, and how they got there. Okay. The literature teacher in me will ask them to describe their trajectories using Joseph Campbell's Stages of the Hero's Journey, the way he said we follow our bliss. I'll ask guests when they heard the call to a different life, what pushed them to cross the threshold into a new world, who became mentors and allies as they faced testing and struggles, whether or not they found what they were looking for, and how their lives have changed since. I'll never forget teaching high school students in Marrakesh. We study many works that are in our Western curriculum, but I particularly love teaching them the Odyssey and the Alchemist because I felt like I was living a journey at that time too. The mission of every episode that you will hear is that we remember the truths Alfred Lord Tennyson expressed in his poem, Ulysses. I am a part of all I have met. Come my friends. Tis not too late to seek a better world, to strive, to seek, to find, and not to yield. I never dreamed when I started planning these interviews that they begin in April 2020, when the world is on lockdown. Our hearts are with the suffering and grieving, with those on the front lines in the medical field, the first responders, and everyone still putting themselves every day in harm's way sacrificing so that we can have groceries and other essentials that we need. For those of us healthy and at home, we're finding that being grounding can be grounding. We're more in need of connection than ever. Some of us are thinking about where we want to go from here. So maybe this is just the right time that we come together. Okay, so I'm so excited uh, to introduce my very first guest. This is my dear friend, Moni, and she is uh, going to speak with us from Vigo, Spain, which is in the province of Galicia, bucket list worthy for its mountains, coast, Celtic ruins, wine, and wonderful people. 
Through here, pilgrims since the ninth century have traveled to the cathedral in Santiago on the Camino or St. James Way. Monica is a life coach, Camino guide for Spanish steps, and an Airbnb superhost. She'll tell us about reinventing herself more than once, international teaching and world travel. We've wandered three continents in the last decade together, from the Sahara Desert to the Seas Isles, Islands of the Gods. I am so glad she is here. I'm glad to Cindy. I'm, I'm happy to contribute to this. I would love to share how in, and in my hometown in Vigo. Actually, maybe you can record the people clapping on the windows in a while because we as Spaniards, we try to have our spirits up, even though for us it's really, really hard to be confined and not being out with friends or having our coffee con leche, coffee with milk or our beer or with our friends to be like when we, When I wanted to do this podcast, um, I never dreamed that this is where we would be. So many, so many things are happening right now that are confusing and scary sometimes. And, but I do think, you know, through that, we're all learning a lot about ourselves and I know that's something you're really into. And um, so what are you, what do you have? The one question I'm going to ask everybody on the podcast, what do you have in your cup right now? What are you drinking? This one, literally, I'm having a colacao. Colacao is a Spanish invention. It is a hot chocolate, but a really good one. Uh, it's like chocolate uh, cheers me up a little bit. And it brought to my mind when we were in Madrid, yes. having the chocolate con churros, yes. the thick chocolate, you and me. And it's like, I try to have memories with any tiny thing that I do at home. So I thought I'm going to be with Cindy. So let's yes. have this hot chocolate. Explain um, how we got to know each other. Now, Madrid was summer 2018. Um, that I met you there, and she had this amazing um, itinerary all set for us. Uh, you know, we, we have done a lot of travels together. Uh, <laughs> let's go back to the beginning. Tell them kind of how we met. We, we met, I, I remember clearly, because it was as, as soon as I arrived in Nashville, Tennessee, what the heck I was doing in Nashville, Tennessee? I was recruited uh, for the Spanish government to be a Spanish teacher. As uh, you can tell, because of my accent, I'm from here, from Spain. And I I was teaching in high school for four years there. And in a salsa event, there you were. Uh, I was in a place called Madonna. And I remember that I was with my Spanish friends and I was attending salsa classes to do something for fun in order to get people uh, in my circle, to know people from, from Nashville, Tennessee. And I met you there. And by chance, it happened to be that we were neighbors because we were living in Donaldson in the same area. And we became walking buddies too. So we were not only friends from the salsa night and the drinks or whatever at night, we had really nice conversations and that's where I think that we became close to each other. 
apart from being teachers. She taught at a public school in Nashville in the Donaldson area. I taught at a private Christian school in the area. And um, yeah, we did. We clicked and we would walk the Greenway uh, on the Stones River uh, is where we walked a lot. And we go to Radnor and walk around the lake. And, and who, you know, who knew that later she would become uh, a master of walking and a tour guide of the Camino. Um, but yeah, it, those pilgrimages, you know, this, this show is all about, yeah. about journeys. And, um, but that was, I mean, those talks that we had out in nature were some of the best times and just realized how much we did have in common. Um, yeah, it was great. So you, so, so then from there, um, you were here in Nashville for four years. Yeah. Um, I was traveling around, taking advantage of the free time I had when I was teaching because I had the fall break, spring break. So I thought since I'm in this part of the world, I'm going to try to travel as much as I can. And was amazing because we were a group, a group of Spaniards. We were teaching in different schools. So every time we had the chance, we travel. So I went to Peru, I went to Mexico, I went all over the islands, Jamaica, Bahamas. Um, I went to the big towns, the big cities all over. Uh, even a friend from Madrid came and told me, Moni, I go to visit you if I see something different. And I thought, okay, where can I take her? So we went to Alaska. So, yeah, we're four years, really, really amazing, fulfilled of experiences and people. Um, was the time when the visa expired and I decided that I was coming from Europe, from Spain. Luckily for me, it was not a violent country. And I thought I was time to go back home. Uh, but for me, home was Vigo, my hometown. I was living in Madrid many, many years when I studied journalism and I was working in human resources in Madrid. But after being teaching in, in the States and knowing that I have to come back to Spain, I thought, I'm not going to a big city. I'm going back home and let's see where, how can I reinvent myself again? I knew that was not gonna be teaching because in Spain was gonna be hard for me to start teaching at my age. So by chance, out of the blue, a friend of mine, uh, an old roommate in Madrid, called me and told me that if I could help her teaching Spanish in an immersion program in the middle of nowhere in Asturias, a really nice area in the north of Spain, to help her to teach a group of uh, people from California, most of them, walking and talking in Spanish. So. This was in 2016 and was an amazing experience. Um, I was teaching them Spanish conversation and other skills. And the owner of the hotel where they were spending the week uh, saw me and told me, you are amazing with people. Your English is pretty good. And I am running a company that goes uh, in the Camino de Santiago, St. James Way, and you are Galician. How would you feel about guiding for me? Yes. And you know what, Cindy? I always say yes, yes to everything. 
Even when I went to teach in Nashville, Tennessee, in front of 35 kids, I've never taught before in a public school. So I'm not scared of anything. It's like every challenge, I take it. So she gave me the training. I was running some trips at, as a trainee on the Camino, and I thought, shoot, I'm showing my backyard, Galicia, to people from all over the world. I love to be in the forest, so that's what I do. And yesterday I was really nostalgic because I was supposed to be leading a trip. I was supposed to lead already two Caminos, one uh, the coastal Camino and another the French Camino. We walked the last 90 miles, but with all this coronavirus thing, my Caminos has been, I don't want to say cancelled, yeah. I wanted to say rescheduled. So I'm waiting for the pilgrims to come back over all the Americans that are mainly our customers are from there. I'm glad you brought that up about you You said yes to teaching because you came from a whole different career field before you came to the U.S. So you were in what? I was in human resources and I love it. I was working for an Australian company. I was in charge of the recruitment and the training, always in touch with foreigners. I was in charge of the visa um, readjustment to Spain. And I was in charge of the parties yeah. and all the events. And I love it. But the crisis came, the company left. And I decided that I needed to, to do something different. And I thought, okay, money, you, money, you need to, to change, to do something that you feel like doing. Um, and I always wanted to teach. And I thought, why not now? That is not age for start a career. And I remember exactly the moment. It was in India. I was backpacking with friends. And in Goa, I saw the sunset and I thought, Moni, this is what you want. You want being outside. What are you doing working for long hours and spending most of the time in, in the underground in the tube? You don't belong to that, to the corporative world. So after that trip to India, my mom passed away. And the last thing she told me was, money, squeeze life as much as you can. So it was another signal for me. I decided to, to change my life. I was not hanging out with the people because of the status or because I was a human resources person with a big salary, you know, I decided to change the priorities. Back to school, <coughs> start to focus in do something, make a difference. And yeah, that's when I think I was recruited by your government to teach in your country, not because of my profile. I think that was my personality. And after being in Nashville, Tennessee, it's like when I had to come back here and I knew that was going to be hard to teach again because it was still a crisis in Spain and you need to have connections to, to teaching schools here. So I'm always lucky. I'm open and the yeah. universe brought me the, the Camino. And 
I'm making a living with that and I love it because I go with the flow. I'm learning continuously with my peers and I'm a good listener. So after listening stories of the people, why they are here, reading books, reading about the Camino, feeling the energy, the power of the pilgrimage. That's when I decide to, to get the master in coaching, in life coaching. And that's what I am doing now. And it's helping me a lot in these difficult moments that I have to be confined and not in touch with people or with my trees or with the ocean. So You've always enjoyed having people in your home. Uh, when I went to visit when I went to visit her in 2016, yeah. I was stayed in her home, and um, it's just mm-hmm. a warm, beautiful place. And at that time, there was a young girl there that was from England in the other bedroom. She has two bedrooms. Yeah, and we had so much fun, and she enjoys having people from all Bishan. over the world, and they enjoy her. Uh, but because, again, of the borders being closed and, and the virus, how has that affected your Airbnb business. She's a super host, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I am, because it's not that I just think that this is a place where the people yeah. can stay and sleep. I love to do hiking with them and show them around and take them to the local places. It's affecting me and it's affecting my family. Actually, my niece and my nephew, they are living in Germany, and my niece was supposed to come to visit my sister three weeks ago, so she's not traveling. I cannot yes, see my sister. Her. My sister is 20 years older than me. You know her. And Airbnb is being, uh, mm-hmm. uh, how is it, controlled by the authorities, and we are not allowed to book. I had a Mexican guy that was here in a practice mm-hmm. in a hospital, and as soon as this start, he left. So this guy is uh, not with me anymore. I have a girl that is a German girl, and she didn't come through Airbnb. She came because someone from Airbnb was here, and we became friends, and this guy sent me this girl. And this girl is staying here. She is now uh, maybe till June, but maybe is going back to Germany because for her it's really hard. She's 21. There are no classes. I mean, the classes are online. So imagine somebody that is in Spain and cannot be outside. I don't know how many victims are in Spain, but I think that after Italy, we are the second. I try not to watch the news. It's not good for my soul and for for my mood. It's really hard. March 14th, they decide to uh, declare the emergency state. And it's not like you guys. I saw that you in the States, at least you have a garden or you have a trail and you can walk. Here, if they see you outside your house, you are going to be fined with 600 euros. Uh, You cannot move from provinces. You cannot go in the car unless you go working and you need the paper from your company and it has to be a job that is essential what does it mean that it has to be in a supermarket hospital now because the economy is in the toilet they are opening the the construction companies and other suppliers Mm -hmm. 
but it's going really slow. Everybody has to wear the mask. And we Spaniards, we are not allowed to touch each other. And that's for me, for us, is terrible because um, we are like supervised all the time. We have the army outside checking. If you go, you have to prove that you go shopping and show the ticket. And the police is around too. So um, this started, as I say, March 14th. And it is supposed to finish April 26th. But there are rumors already that it's going to be another two weeks. So we will be confined for two months. Right. And the kids right. are missing school. I mean, they are not going back to school. Here in Spain, we finish yeah. school later than you guys. We finish school in right. June. And it's not, it's not happening. Yeah. All the events, concerts, yeah. that now is when we have these festivals in the spring. It's, we have like a, mm -hmm. in, a, in Vigo. Yeah. We have so many fairs related with gastronomy. Everything, the economy is like in 2008. It's a big, big. Right. But for us, the most important is health and the people. Right. So if we right. have to be at home, so how you have to be at home? Because I know you're you're sheltering at home uh, by yourself, and and I am, and so many people are. So mm -hmm. how do you how do you deal with that? Because I know you're you're very social person so yeah i am um lucky yes. for me we have these technology tools so so now for example i'm talking to you i see your face it's like being in being there in <laughs> yeah. in, in east nashville having uh, a drink or something no um for example i'm lucky because through zoom i have my yeah. classes Every day. Yep. I do yoga in the morning yep. and in the evening. I do Pilates. I do Tai Chi. And I'm in touch yep. with the people through this uh, application. On the other hand, I'm in touch with the coaching girls. I was taking the training this year. I was supposed to finish April the 4th with outdoors activity. We had a weekend uh, that was supposed to be the cherry on top, finishing with these outdoor activities and it has to be postponed maybe till summer. I'm reading a lot. I'm meditating a lot. Yeah. Um, Spanish Stats, the company that I work for, the owner, Judy, has been so nice that just post a so GoFund mm -hmm. yeah. program. And yeah, GoFundMe because all the guys, we don't have income. Uh, so... She has been running the company for 25 years, so she's asking us for photos and our biography to keep the page fresh. And the customers have been yeah. donating money. She that. already collected $30,000, yeah. which is, is amazing because you can tell that we are a company, that we are family. Right. It's not that we are the typical no personal company. The skill that the guides have uh, is caring for people. Uh, all of us, we are people, yeah. people person. No? People, uh, people, yeah. pe um, You're a people, yeah, people person, person, you all are. That's yeah. how you say, no? Yeah. Yeah, people, 
So, yeah, and I, but I'm not going to like to use in the sometimes I feel like a roller coaster because I got, uh, I divorced uh, recently, separated two years ago. Um, my husband and I, we had a really nice life here. Um, I mean, we are two nice people, but we didn't want the same thing. So we are still uh, not in love, but we love each other. Yeah. It's like there is no hate involved. So I miss him because we had a good, uh, good years here. On the other hand, this was the house of my parents. So many memories are here. Even if I remodel the whole thing, there are days that are tough. Um, not being able to go on weekends. Every weekend I, um, yeah. I used to go um, hiking routes yeah. or by myself to the beach, even in winter. So for me, that's the tough yes. part. I, I can't express enough so, how beautiful her so, city is. Um, I'm gonna, you're gonna see. I'll put some pictures up here for everyone to see. It's but, amazing. Um, yeah, we. So, yeah, we. I came there. I, I guess it was. <laughs> And there's traditions that um, if there's things you want to let go of, you can write them on papers and throw them in the fire. Uh, some people take, they jump into the ocean at midnight for cleansing and for um, just, it's, it's just a wonderful celebration. We met in, I actually flew and met her in Portugal, uh, in Porto, and we, she had booked this amazing <laughs> Uh, Airbnb uh, room. Yeah. Ah, Paul. Yeah, at the yes. house of Paul. Yes, oh. and I'll link um, where if people want to stay with him because we had an amazing view. Uh, I remember we got there and he had wine and we had cherries and just looked out over the the river and it was beautiful and the music was happening because the celebration was just echoing through the hills. We went to the beach there. We went to the the port caves. Um. Yeah, that, that's the thing that Vigo has. I mean, we are in Galicia. Galicia is uh, one of the regions of Spain. We are a little isolated from the rest, but we are so close to Portugal that in 20 minutes you are in a different country. And many, many people that come to Vigo uh, go to Portugal. And in Vigo we have the islands, the Thies Islands. The Romans were here. Um, we, we got on a amazing. boat to go over and we camped. Yeah. We took our tent and camped. Um, but one side looks like the Caribbean. It's an estuary. So one side is still. The other side looks like the Scottish Highlands. Yeah. And, and the other oh, the beaches and the water and, and the food. I yes. loved the little... Um, the, the fresh, I guess, sardines and those little kippers. Oh, it was all so good. Because I'm a big seafood lover. And in her the town in Vigo, the, baby um, the, the street where, is it Ostras, the name? Os yeah, the street with all the seafood. And, you know, I like octopus a lot. Yeah. And they bring it out. And um, the way it's prepared there, it's, it's, I've never had it as good as the way um, the Galician style of of preparing that is so amazing but yeah it's it's just a wonderful it's a wonderful city and uh, a beautiful country I love Spain I before nice. you know meeting you and and uh, 
when I lived in Morocco, we, we could get these Ryanair cheap, cheap flights to Spain, you know, sometimes, sometimes as cheap as 50 to $80 round trip. And so it was nothing to go over for a weekend, but did a lot of trips then. And, and I used to be extremely, you know, partial to Italy and I still love Italy, but I got to say, Spain is wonderful. I love the seafood. I love the nightlife. People, um, I love the, the, the tradition of having the, you know, the tapas and the sangria and, you know, dinner is often late at night. If, if people choose to do that, it might start at 10 o'clock at night. Everything's just starts later, you know, breakfast is later. Um, so yeah, talk a little bit about that. The difference between you, just the, the American way of doing things, uh, in terms of eating and socializing and the Spanish way. Yeah. Um, I have to confess that I've never readjusted to the American schedule for lunch. I remember being in the school and the lunch there uh, had to be between 11 or 12, depends on your break. And I had my breakfast early in the morning before going to school. And at 11 or 12, I just had a little snack and I had my lunch Spanish time at two o'clock when I arrived back home at two or three. Uh, In Spain, it's like that. I mean, uh, we have uh, eight is uh, breakfast, uh, two usually lunch, and dinner is really late. But don't get me wrong. I mean, we have a heavy dinner. If we are going to go out, it's not that we have like a plate, main course, and we go to bed. If not, we will be really huge. Yeah. And Spaniards, compared to Americans, we are skinnier. No, Not now, because we are introducing all these fast food chains too. Um, the Mediterranean diet is really good. So our main lunch is lunch between two or three. Um, another thing is that I think that we don't go to the house of other friends. Maybe because what I saw in Nashville is that people have big houses, I mean, all the apartments. In Spain, we are, everything is small compared to the States. Um, so, for example, my backyard is the Castro, the park that is nearby. I don't have a garden. So people meet in the park or people go for a coffee outside, even if it's the cafe next to my house. People don't come to have the tea inside the house. We are, I mean, we have in my house, in my house, in my street, I have just five (laughs) bars, bars, no, cafes, just in a small square square meter, you know. Mm -hmm. We are, yeah, uh, always outside. And if the weather is nice, because sometimes here in Galicia rains a lot, so as soon as the sun is shining, people are out. And we love to have our pre-lunch on Sundays. You go at 11 or 12 and you have your caña. Caña is your beer. And they put a little tapa and you eat just with the beer. We went to Toledo. And in Toledo, remember we just stopped in one of those shops that ha- ah, has the mm-hmm. um, the ham hanging, and it's all fresh, and it's, yeah. I guess, prosciutto is what it was, uh, thinly sliced on bread, and it was delicious. Yes. <laughs>
tu puerta, llamo puerta. Let me tell you, uh, for your people, and if you come to the Camino overall, yeah. Spain and the Camino is not the place to be vegetarian. <laughs> and overall, overall Galicia, because the seafood is so good, and the meat, I mean, is good. Even many Americans now, I don't know if it's a fashion or what, many of my customers uh, yes. are requesting yes. Yes. this allergy, gluten-free stuff, blah, blah, blah. The Galician bread is so right. good, and right. there are no chemis, chemicals right. involved, or even the soil of the plants. Um, I mean, here nobody has yeah. stomach problems. Even if you are a gluten-free person, yeah. I've seen people having bread in Galicia, and it's real bread. I now have learned here that I can't, I can't do gluten. And for years, I didn't understand why my stomach hurt every time I ate bread. And then when I started doing the gluten-free bread. But when I've been in Europe, especially Spain, I've not felt that way. Italy, I didn't feel that way. And especially Morocco, um, when I lived there. Because, and, and that, yeah, and that was the other thing, too, is that there, everything the is organic. There's no GMOs. You know, there's no... Um, it, everything you get is fresh. Um, and so speaking, of, so back to the Camino, yeah. I want you to maybe kind of explain some of the different, um, the different ones that you've done. So that, and how would people, how would they know which would be best for them? Like where they start, the, the distance, how to prepare, all those things. The way to prepare yourself is walking regularly. I mean, I have customers that they just walk in the shopping center. And you come here and you walk for a week, every single day. Of course, we have like a van support. We have a bus. So every three, five miles, you have a driver if you want to jump in the van. But the nice thing is walk the whole thing. Um, the coastal Camino, um, the Portuguese coastal Camino is really nice, but coastal means coastal, up hills, down hills. Galicia is mountain. So what I do with some people that maybe, I have customers that are 80 or 75 or even, I mean, they are elder people. And let me tell you, they are fit. Or if they have some problems, I tell them, look, this is going to be a pavement part or this is going to be an uphill or for a downhill for your knees is not going to be good for you. Why don't you skip these two Ks? That is like one mile and it's going to save you uh, problems in your legs and you can walk the rest. So the easiest, I think that is the French, but it's the most crowded. Now, the Portuguese, I like it very much, a part that is coming, goes through Vigo, is now uh, they are looking yeah. for alternative routes that you go more through the forest. 
Um, the Finisterre is like the pagan Camino that I love it. It's like the Celt Camino. It's following the Milky Way. It's nothing to do with uh, Christian or religious. Even the Santiago Camino, most of the people that come here is not because religious uh, reasons at all. They are in a spiritual journey and you talk to all kinds of people. It doesn't matter the status, it doesn't matter the nationality. You have another Camino that starts uh, in Asturias that is longer because the first pilgrim was uh, Alfonso, the king, that came in the ninth century to check that the bones were St. James. But it's hard. I mean, the Camino is... It's not flat and it's not even. The whole distance versus people that do the shortest. So explain like the difference between those two. Okay. The, I mean, some people don't have as many holiday and endurance. I mean, you need to, to walk the whole thing is a 800 Ks and you start in France and you need 35 days. I've never done it before. Now is another consequence of the coronavirus. I'm thinking that the Camino must be nicer than before. And since I don't have Caminos this year, I feel that I am going to do it as a customer. I'm going to walk the Camino by myself as soon as I can leave the house. So I'm going to start in France. I'm going to do like right. two weeks because I'm walking always the last 100 Ks. Is what you need to have the, the certificate as a walker. The whole thing is a month or 35 days. If you decide to do the last part, is 85 miles, and you can do the last right. part of the French right. or the and last most, part of the Portuguese. And how long would that take to do, I do, both. To do 100, 100K? Would it take how long? My company offered the slow Camino. <laughs> the slow Camino is, is just to, uh, for me, it's a great idea because you enjoy. It's not like these Germans that they come, they get up at 4 a.m. in the albergue, in the shelter, in the hostel, and they walk like okay. 30 k's. No, we walk 18, 20. So people can stop for lunch. They can see the cow. They can smell the roses. Uh, we do it like in seven right. days, but you can do it in five. But we split, for example, the last day, we split like in two. So people, the last day, they walk like five miles and they arrive fresh in Santiago. Yeah, we try to do it as comfortable as right. we can. We don't follow right. the normal guides uh, with the stages. We readjust to our customers and we readjust for them to enjoy. And if they want to have an hour lunch and try our Galicia Estrella, that is the beer. I didn't walk the Camino, but we sort of went that way. And you showed me some of the stops. So yeah. that um, I, I remember the beautiful, the Celtic uh, place up on the mountain that had the harbor. Beneath. Yeah, we went, and yeah. we went through all the coast. So you had the chance of seeing all the that. villages yeah. and our Galician coast that is amazing. Um, I, I took you to the tiny village, yes. it's a fishing yes. village. Well, remember how great the food was? 
We had, yeah, we had this, yeah, they have really great, uh, not paella, because everybody talks about the paella. We have the Galician rice that is similar, but it's even better because it's made with the seafood. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to the Santa Tecla, uh, Tecla Saint Mountain. So you go to the, to, to, to the top mm-hmm. and there you have like from the Iron Age and from the Celts, uh, the Castros that are the fortress built in on the top of the mountain and the amazing view is that you see Spain and Portugal because it's uh, cut through the through the river that separate uh, Spain and Portugal Spain and Portugal so I think that is one of the highlights of the Camino and on the Camino too what we do is we drive we, we take the pilgrims to see that spot and after we drive then to uh, the old town of Portugal and they start walking in Portugal. So there is a moment that they cross the bridge yeah. and they have uh, one foot in Portugal yeah. and yeah. the other in in Spain with Valencia and Tui. That was one of the old capitals of the reign of Galicia, of the kingdom yes. of Galicia and one beautiful. of the most beautiful cathedrals in Spain. So it's just, it's, it's beautiful because you are going to see yeah. churches from the 12th, 13th, 13th century. You are going to see uh, plantations of kiwis or vineyards or wineries. And, I mean, I love yeah. Galicia. And you have me, that I am a true Galician person, that love to... To, to, to show you how we make the the liquor, I'm gonna take you to local places and yeah. how we live. I speak Galician. That's why I was recruited for this company too, because it's similar to Portuguese. So I can communicate in the tiny villages with the people. No, um, yeah, I miss that. Yesterday, for example, uh, you were asking me how I'm dealing with the coronavirus. I was thinking, okay, the Camino needed a break, Natural needed a break, sure. but I miss, I miss the walk and I miss to see my pilgrims because my pilgrims are my kids. I love when I, my this group of Americans come and, oof, and I, I prepare like the queimada. The queimada is like the water, the fire water, and I do a spell with fire and we drink the liquid to detox and purify ourselves. It's really funny. I, <laughs> Ella, Ella's you can tell, getting excited about my, my really. dog. She's over here hearing your voice and she's she's listening to all this. Um, the yeah, and you know, I know you've said that again. You've had you've had groups of ladies that have come from all around the world, um, which is really cool. Oh, look. And you know, and you know what, Cindy? Maybe when I'm on the season walk, walking and working, I do the Camino maybe three times in a month. Every time I arrive yeah. to the um, um, at the square where everybody's coming, I I cry seeing the people reaching the goal. And people that they have been seeing each other along that week or even months. And you go inside the cathedral and the mass is not religious. I mean, it's like a bunch of pilgrims together. And 
this nuns singing and the incense banging is it's magical. It's a magical thing, um, Santiago. The whole idea just of journeys, you know, when you think about yeah. um that I mean, just in the way that we grow, I think in all journeys. But I can ima- I can only imagine that when you're with a group of people and you go through physical struggles, and maybe even mental or emotional struggles to get through, you know, this this long trek that you're trying to do together. But you do bond, and and this idea of traveling companions, which I think is um, one of the greatest things about travel. It's you you the adventure is wonderful. The beauty, the natural beauty, is amazing. But the people, the relationships, the different cultures, um, I should also mention that uh, uh, Monica came to, um, she, she told me when, so she had been teaching out of her country for four years, and then she went back in 2012, and in 2014 was when I felt a call to go to a, uh, to go cross over into a new world. And uh, that was Morocco. And she told me, she said, you're, you're going to get, you're going to mm-hmm. want, you know, you're going to want some, a, an old friend, you know, someone familiar. And she said, I'm going to come visit you. So she came that first fall and stayed with me for three weeks. And we went to the Sahara Desert and we did a camel trek, um, which was really cool. And we yeah. went all the way from there, all the way up to the north to Chefchaouen. Uh, the Blue City, and that was absolutely amazing. Um, but and oh, that was a that hotel. Detail. That was the dream. I'm thinking I in mean, the hotel we were, in Chiftawa. We were so, sort of at the bottom, uh-huh. looking up at the old city, and you know, and then oh, it was yeah. I'll definitely put pictures. It was. I mean, we got there. I, I always like compared a, it to like Dorothy and her travels to Oz because <laughs> you know when we were in Fez, it was it was a, they were having a strike and it was kind of a weird <laughs> time and there was a there was a uh, terrorism alert that came out to all the teachers um, and you know it, it, the, I think a lot of it was the timing when we were there. It was just part of the city was shut down. Um, it was not from what I understand, the typical of there. But we took this long, you know, we'd taken this long bus ride to get there. And then we took another ride. But when we got to Chef Shallon, it was like sunny skies. You know, the pool was gorgeous, overlooking this beautiful city. Um, But it was amazing. And then another thing, another trip we did was, um, I was thinking about spring break. um, And... Monica was saying, you know, oh, you, you've got to come to Tarifa, you know, come to, and of course, Andalusia was a dream because we both, we both bonded it's, over it's reading amazing. The Alchemist and the whole journey that Santiago went on in that, in that story. And so, yeah, she said, oh, this is where we, you got to come here. So it was wonderful. I had never experienced a, an Easter uh, yeah. celebration there. So we were there during that time, um, and then she said, okay, we've got to go to Bologna Beach, which was amazing, Roman, Roman Glen. And, you know, that trip with that, with that taxi driver and us singing was one of the most fun things. That was just one of those moments when you were thinking, okay, this is amazing. Um, but, yeah, we've had some wonderful 
travel experiences. And last summer we met, she came to Oregon, which is where um, our friend Kim is. And Kim was from, moved Mom. from Nashville out there. She too had started a new life and I'm going to have her on here as well. And she's going to tell you all about the amazing wine country and <clears throat> just all the things to do out there. But we met up there. And uh, so we, you know, even though we've, haven't lived in the same place for eight years. We have managed to see each other multiple times, multiple times. I want you to, if you would, please share mm -hmm. with us, because you've traveled so much. Um, uh -huh. Tell them, tell the people watching and listening on podcasts, what are some of your, have been some of your most meaningful travels, particularly mm -hmm. in terms of growth and how they just sort of changed you? Okay, the to travel, I, I know that sounds like a classical, but it's true, my trip to India, it was in 2006. Um, it came by chance because a friend of mine told me that she was going to go backpacking. I was already 37, it's not that I was in my 20s, okay? Yeah. Um, she said that she was going to go with another two friends that I've never seen in my life before. Say, money. we are going to go just with the backpack and paying the ticket. That was the big expense, travel to Asia, to Asia. But from Europe to Asia, you can find deals for 500 euros. At that time and now, because I'm, I was searching for trips for my 50th birthday, that is this year, to go in December. No, now because of the coronavirus, but... What I am saying is that in places like uh, India, you can stay really, really cheap places. Mm -hmm. Of course, not big luxury places, mm -hmm. but clean enough. The food is, uh, is not expensive. Mm -hmm. And you have to be willing to, to have time and be patient if you take the public transport. One thing is being a tourist, other thing is being a traveler. Mm -hmm. So being a tourist is expensive. Being a traveler can be really affordable. Overall, because people in those countries, they are so willing to take you with them that you are gonna find people that are gonna offer transportation, their own boats, their own um, cars or rickshaws. Or Of course, you have to be patient because you have to bargain. Yeah and even their own homes. So you have to be willing sometimes not to have a hot water, yeah. but you get used to that because after a while you become part of the society. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like here you need, for example, I dye my hair today because I knew that I was gonna be in front <laughs> of the camera, but there I could be without washing my hair for a week. Yeah. Um, Maybe you don't eat five uh, forks uh, restaurants, but the food is good. Um, yeah. And for me, as I say, that sunset in Goa <laughs> was like the wake up call to say, this is what you want, money, keep it simple. Yeah. And that's when I quit my job in human resources and I changed my life. That was a self-rowing trouble. When I went to Tarifa, that before going with you, I went there by myself from Madrid uh, 
three years before I went to India, I was already boiling inside that I needed changing a change. You know, I knew that I didn't fit in the corporative world. And I remember that I took the bus from Madrid and I say, okay, where can I go this weekend? The longest, the farthest place in Spain. And I went to Tarifa by myself and was not really expensive. I was like 14 hours by bus with all these Moroccan people. <laughs> and I was just walking around on the beach and I went by myself to a Greek restaurant. And I remember that the owner was a New Yorker. And she told me, what are you doing here by yourself? And I think that we click because we ha we were in the same vibration. Yeah. And she told me that she used to be a person uh, in a big company in New York. And she decided to change her life. She quit her job. He came back to Spain. He, she invested in a restaurant. And she was living frugal, too. She had this tiny Greek restaurant. And she was painting. And she said, I wish that you find your pink cloud. And I thought, wow. <laughs> and I was searching for that pink cloud since 2006. Yeah. So that was another trip. Another trip that was a life changing for me was when I was in Nashville, Tennessee, being with the students that are sometimes in school just because the lunch is free make you think a lot of things now that uh, people take uh, education for granted, mm -hmm. take teachers for granted, and sometimes the teacher is the only adult that these kids uh, have. So I remember that because my job was hard, I tried to get the most in my free time. And I went to Peru. And in Peru, the trip was not expensive because a friend from Peru who was living in Nashville gave me the contact of a local traveler there. It's like when we went to Morocco. Yeah. You travel with local companies. Yeah. If, I mean, if you can organize the tours by yourself, it's better, it's cheaper. But in some places that maybe can be a little dangerous, through a local agent yeah. is a good option. Yeah. I went to Kenya. Kenya was another... Oof, highlight because a friend of mine had a, a small NGO, non-profit organization. Mm -hmm. uh, me with my ex-husband, we went to spend Christmas in a rescue center with girls. Yeah. We spent two weeks there with these girls. So, I mean, let me tell you, Cindy, I don't have even a car. I don't have my, my car. I go walking everywhere. I don't buy clothes because I don't need it. Everything I do is going to yoga, going to Pilates. Um, even in Spain, we are we usually go out for dinner. Uh, it's affordable to to have lunch or dinner outside, but I don't go much. I mean, I'm not a wine person or a person that smoke or drink alcohol. So all the money that I have goes for travel, mm -hmm. for traveling. Um, now I'm thinking in traveling to um, Thailand and Cambodia and Vietnam as soon as this hell finish. And maybe I'm going to work in exchange for accommodation. There are companies like Workaway mm -hmm. that you can yeah. stay in a place and 
work and travel at the same time. Yeah. And, so you, and I, I remember, too, you got to do a wonderful trip to Australia. Uh, I went, some of the pilgrims uh, you've met have oof, invited and I'm lucky you. Because, yeah. Let me tell you, <laughs> I'm lucky because my, my pilgrims, some of them are uh, not wealthy, but they have money or maybe they have a lot of miles. So she came here to learn Spanish. She was a client that my boss sent me, not as part of the Camino, just for an immersion in Spanish training. And because she was going through a tough time, she lost her husband at the time, mm -hmm. I didn't charge her for being here in my house. I didn't treat her like an Airbnb mm -hmm. uh, person. Yeah. She became my friend. She was like a mother for me. And I took her to many rural places, manor houses, um, these tiny villages that I know from the Camino, or to my yoga classes, and I introduced her my people. So I think that she was so pleased at the end. Does she say, Moni, I know what your life is and your people, so let me take care of you and introduce you my people in New Zealand. So she paid the ticket and I spent one month there. Uh, the only thing that I had to do in exchange was speaking Spanish for her. Yeah. But I think that she really wanted my company because we were speaking um, English almost all the time. Yeah. And she invited me to a silent meditation retreat on the island. It was amazing. I went to Japan too, but my niece was living there. Other thing is that some of my Airbnb people uh, we become friends and they invite me over. For example, the English girl, Vesa, yes. we went to visit her. We stayed in an Airbnb, but we went to visit her because it was her graduation. Um, so, yeah. Um, and one thing, it, one thing I, I want to stress, too, is that when, when you were here um, teaching in the public school system here, you, you lived very frugally then as well. I mean, you yes. were... Um, you rented a bedroom uh, in a lady's apartment. And, uh, you know, I've always said you're one of the richest people I know because you get to live the life that you want and you get to go all these amazing places. And and let me just say, I mean, now we're all kind of at home, you know, hanging out. But, um, boy, you know, when you dress up, you know, and I'm always like, where did you get that dress? And she is like a bargain shopper like no other and very has that Spanish sense of style. Um, but yeah, I mean, you've just always made a way and found a way to do the things that you really want Look, to my, do. My wedding dress was like a uh, Ross. Ross was the shop, no, $25. That's the way I spend money. I mean, yeah. and I still have clothes from Marshalls. Yeah. I, I still, yeah. The good thing is that my size... <laughs> doesn't change much because yeah. I keep fit. Yeah. So yeah, I and yeah, I sometimes I went to this place, to this salsa place for fun, but it was once a week or every two weeks. Yeah. Um yeah. And I didn't go out much and all the money I had when I was in Nashville was for traveling too. Yeah. Because we spent most of the time Cindy in the Greenway walking. Right. I mean, Exactly. Yeah, any, any more tips on like where they can get good deals on flights or any secrets? 
Uh, I, I have the sky scanner. Yeah. Um, if you are flexible, yeah. you have plenty. Right. You have to be flexible. The good thing about my life is that now, for example, I work on the... So I, I'm rich because I have freedom. I do what I want. I know that living... I can make a living just with the Caminos. Uh, not this year. Look, this year, for example, I don't have Caminos because of the coronavirus. And I'm thinking, okay, money, you don't have income but the Camino is going to be greener next year. So keep it positive. Um, maybe I can do something related with my coaching. So I'm always open to do other things. Right. And as I say, um, maybe this year I'm not going to travel abroad, but I'm going to be in Spain, maybe doing the Camino myself. That is an affordable way of traveling too. Right. And another thing I'll mention is that when you were here in Nashville, you know, you 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 taught me some some you know Spanish. So that's uh, the thing because yeah. she that's she was a Spanish teacher in the schools here, and she yeah. uh, taught me some Spanish. And she's been able she can teach Spanish people English, so she has many many talents um, yeah. that she can use. But um, well, the last thing I want to ask because uh, very soon we're gonna do something special. Um, before you get off, but the last thing I wanted to ask was um, just for some, um, oh, well, actually two more things, sorry. One is if people wanted to try being an Airbnb host, uh, you know, to make, to try to make changes when this, whenever the coronavirus lockdowns are over, um, any, any advice you would give them on that? Airbnb is the best way. Um, even if you, even if you want to uh, travel cheaper, you have couch surfing. I know a lot of people yeah. that do couch surfing and they go to houses for free, or they exchange houses. That's yes. a, I have a friend that has been in fifty different places. Um, you can be in the. It's not that when the person goes to your house, you have to go to their place. If you have a room, you can exchange rooms. I mean. I mean, the question here is being open to share, right. you know, right? To, to be with someone maybe in your house that you don't know. But I love it. I mean, I need to be with foreigners, with people from other cultures. So that's another way of traveling. And, and one more. Yeah. Oh, and I do want to ask you this, talking about illness and things like that. So what is the healthcare system? It, should somebody get the virus or have to go to the hospital, how does that work in your country? Everybody has the right to the public uh, uh, health. So if you are sick here, or even if you are from the States and you are not a European citizen, they are not going to allow you to, to die. You are going to be attended in the hospital. Right. Do you, of course. Do you, and then you're billed later or you pay or what do you do as a, as a citizen of Spain? As a citizen of Spain, you don't pay. That's what I thought. If you are, if you are from the states, probably you will be billed. For example, in the Camino, my customers come with an insurance, okay. a private insurance, and also because they are from the states. What, so, what? How do you know what percentage of taxes you pay, because your healthcare is included? I remember that they take uh, uh, depends on your salary. They deduct from your payroll every month mm -hmm. 
uh, percentage that goes to the public uh, health. But even if you decide to have a private insurance company in Spain, I think that the price is like 25, 30 euros a month. That's a private insurance. Wow. And okay. All right. So, um, and one, so one last thing, um, as a life coach and just as a world traveler and all the experiences you've had, I ask, I'm going to ask all my guests this. So if you had a 20 something daughter mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. if you were to talk to your 20 something self, what uh-huh. would you say? What advice would you give? The one that my mom told me, squeeze life as much as you can and never, never put your happiness in the hands of other person. Just try to be happy for yourself and follow your guts. Even if you feel that you are the black sheep, there is nothing wrong with that. I love that. Thank you. So tell us what we're about to hear and see. Okay, we let's see how the quality is. Uh, okay, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut it off and then we'll cut it back on in just a minute. But explain to them what what they're about to see. Okay, uh, here the the hospital people, the nurses and doctors, they are risking their lives. They are in the front line, and they are exposed to the viral um, thing. I mean, they are being infected because. They don't have even the protection masks or the equipment. And the emergency rooms are full of people because this virus is affecting the elder people. And I think that in Italy and Spain, a lot of people are dying because we have an elder population. We live a lot. And that's why we have so many victims because we have many, many elder people that are living and they are 80 or more. So what we do, people uh, in the hospitals, uh, usually they finish, so they take shifts, and some people cannot eat. So every day we go to the window or to the balconies and we clap our hands. Um, some people play music, they, I will survive, but the Spanish uh, version. And to support our people, people in the supermarkets, the cleaning people, everybody. It's the way that we want to show that we are confined, but nobody's going to take our joy and our um, way of living and our happiness and the way we are. So we are going to clap, we are going to sing, we are going to talk with the neighbors. It's something that happens every single day. So maybe you can see and you can hear uh, people on the window, so in the balcony is clapping. I'm going to try to film. Yeah, just, let's go that. ahead. Just, just, we'll follow you. Just You follow me. We'll it's follow gonna be you. A little... Today is Saturday. Can you see? Yeah. So what time okay. is it there, Moni? 8 o'clock at night, right? On the Saturday night? It's 8 o'clock is the building in front. Can you see? I can. I see people on their balconies. Yeah. And you all have been doing this every night for how long? Since uh, March 14. Wow. Every day, every night. 
Hola, Fernando. So, Cindy, Good see year. how empty the, how the street is this Saturday? Yeah, and that's the little cafe Be that I would go to down there that always had people in it. It's empty and all the cafes are closed. Yeah. It looks like a different city with every everything boarded up and closed. Yeah. Well, thank you, Monica. I know you want to put this down so you can clap too, but um, okay. I really, this has been great. Hey. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> hey. hey, guys. Thank I you love so much. Um, nobody's going to take from us our Spaniard spirit. We will be back. That is exactly street. right. Amen to that, sister. All right. Love you. Bye.